Welcome in, folks. A Tuesday night on the Big Sports Show on the Big 550 KTRS. A busy night at that. We're going to talk some soccer next hour. Matt Baker will be with me. I was on a training today for City, a week out from the opener in the Champions Cup against Houston. We'll hear from Bradley Carnell. We'll also hear from new midfielder Chris Durkin. Comes by way of the D.C. United be a fun conversation later on in the 8 o'clock hour tonight. Ben Fredrickson with me now, sports columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We haven't had a chance to talk since it went final Super Bowl 58 on Sunday night. NFL season, football season for many. Now completed, Ben. A football-free zone, although we're going to talk football here. So, uh, how are you? I'm doing well, man, although probably not as good as Roger Goodell, after seeing those uh, those Super Bowl oh. numbers roll in, um, he's probably just earned himself a, another uh, another Titanic uh, um, Titanic's worth amount of millions of dollars and a bonus and perhaps an extension after that. <laughs> he should he should cut off Taylor Swift a little piece because uh, there's no doubt she brought a lot of people to a Super Bowl that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. But uh, it, it's been interesting to to watch St. Louis handle this Super Bowl and. Um, now it will be uh, now it will be on to Cardinals baseball and what, whether or not the Blues can make a run and we've got some spring professional football going on here. Soccer's going on, so I'll be honest. Uh, I, I didn't have animosity towards this Super Bowl, but but I uh, I do get a little green with envy during uh, the peak of the NFL season. I'm not going to lie about that. So um, I, I don't have a problem seeing it uh, seeing it head into the off season. So one twenty three point four million on the Super Bowl broadcast Sunday night, the most watched television event in the history of TV, and we know live sports is still the the one sector of television programming that you feel like you can bring in these enormous potential audiences, but every other sport that's not football has seen a decrease since their glory days. I mean, 30 million people no longer watch the World Series, and that was like an average year 30, 35 years ago. That's how many people would watch the World Series, Ben. And those numbers have gone down yet. Obviously, you still want baseball, live baseball properties. There, There's still a value to networks. So we're talking, what, maybe 10, 15 million watch an average World Series game? That might be, I might be a little generous there with that number, but... 123 million on the Super Bowl. It is absolutely wild. Yes, it is based on how much of a monster the NFL is. I I would be curious to hear someone with a business television background explain to me how much Taylor Swift was worth. How much she was worth in terms of actual live people watching it how much she was worth in in actual ad dollar revenue i think we heard a, a number i during the regular season taylor swift was worth like 3 or 350 million dollars in free advertising to the nfl just by her presence at the game that was a pretty eye opening number ben that i saw from her and now with this game yeah i'm not sure how much she was responsible for certainly responsible for quite a bit and ben I think we can probably both agree it's not the most watched event in television history if she isn't involved in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, it was like the moon landing. Uh, <laughs> I, 
real, man. Like people can either people can get mad about it, whatever. It doesn't bother me, but I've watched it happen. I've talked about my nieces who live on the KC side, and they've watched more Chiefs games. They've been more interested in the Chiefs because of this. And I think the thing that said it best: it's not a, you know, it's not a case study, but there is that video that's gone viral of, I think it was a dad and a son watching the last. Chiefs Super Bowl, like a video of their reaction to them. Everybody records their reactions to their team winning the Super Bowl now, which are silly, but the point was they had one from the last time the Chiefs won, and it's a dad and a son in the living room by themselves. And then it's the next one, this one, and the, the living room is filled with people, and their daughters are there, and, and everybody's there. The mom is there. And it, I do think it, you know, it's crazy to talk about the NFL wanting to you know, wanting to get a bigger audience because it has everything it wants, but it's always wanting more. That's why it's playing games in Mexico and probably will be playing in Ireland and all these other places. And you kind of thought that, well, maybe they had tapped America out. Well, no, they hadn't. It just took Travis Kelsey dating the biggest pop star in America. And, look, she's not – this isn't like when Beyonce – or I'm sorry, when Jay-Z signed on with the NFL – when it was going through all of its issues with Colin Kaepernick and was basically paid to kind of be the guy who tried to, to help the NFL get over its PR nightmare. This person, I don't think, has all that much interest in helping the NFL. She likes, she's dating one of the guys on the team, and that's her star power that's created this. So, man, it's going to be, uh, and who knows, what? Maybe it, maybe it becomes a continued story next year. I don't know where this goes, but, uh, but the NFL is like... Uh, you know, it's like the lottery winner, um, you know, uh, getting in on the GameStop shorts so that, that one million of dollars for these, for these crazy day traders. It's like, how how lucky can this league get? Yeah. Taylor Swift getting a date as a baseball player? Well, exactly. Uh, Fox and ESPN, let's see if they can parlay that into, uh, into the upcoming baseball season to get some of uh, those... <clears throat> Uh, game of the week numbers maybe above a, a million or two million. They they tend to weigh down there in the uh, lower seven figures, and and that just makes it more criminal how awful Tony Romo was on the broadcast. <laughs> I mean, holy smokes, Tony! No one to no one to be quiet, my man. Well, goodness gracious! I mean, we're, we're certainly not watching for him or Jim Nansen. But there were people watching for Taylor Swift, yet she, I think her t- her total television time, less than a minute, Ben, less than a minute on screen. And there were millions of people that watched specifically for like those 56 or 57 seconds when she was actually on camera. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, like I said, I don't think she's begging for the attention at these games, but they're smart to, to, to let the cameras find her because no they know that they got a lot of people tuning in to to see where she's going to pop up and um you know it's uh it's been it's been something to watch all these wild conspiracy theories and and so on even some which are being asked about in press conferences around the super bowl which is pretty pretty bizarre but it's a spectacle that's what the super bowl is and this one certainly certainly delivered um it delivered in a way that the, the circus around it was good the game was good um people have such short attention spans they were trying to talk themselves into being a bad boring game when there were still multiple you know multiple quarters left to go it didn't make a lot of uh didn't make a lot of sense to me but i thought it was a great game and uh, i thought uh i thought it was really really compelling uh, compelling football and i think i think there was some b- really good coaching and some really bad coaching on the losing side 
and and I it has been cool, and I know we wanted to talk about this, and we should. It's it was cool to see, you know, it was cool to see Spags get a lot of love for what he's done as a defensive coordinator of the Chiefs, because with Taylor and Travis and Patrick Mahomes, who has given Tom Brady a run for his money, that storyline, how good this Chiefs defense played against right. a really dynamic offense of the 49ers, how good they were in the second half, I felt like that could have kind of gotten lost. But I do feel like he's getting due credit for, for just a really, really, really good performance by this defense and, and a testament to what they've done all season. They were like the, the team that allowed the fewest second-half points in the NFL this year. And I think the changes that he made at halftime were probably as big of a key to the Chiefs winning the game as, as Travis Kelsey coming on strong in the second half and Patrick Mahomes having the ball in his hands last. Four Super Bowl championships as a D coordinator, one with the Giants, three with the Chiefs now for Spags. It's it's a record and one that he deserves a, a ton of credit for. And I, I think there are folks out there that will stump for him to get another look as a head coach. I don't know. You know another story was going to be Andy Reid. Was there a slight chance he'd retire? I know you didn't think so. He put those rumors to rest. He will be back next year, but maybe there there can be a plan in place where, I don't know, maybe Spags is the heir apparent in a year or two. Um, and I'm all, I'm all about it. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily I, – I think he was terrible here in St. Louis, but that's not to say a full decade plus later he couldn't have rediscovered something – about his coaching style that would make him a better head coach now. But I tell you what, if if he's looking around for somebody to be his advocate, to be a head coach again, my advice would be not to use Kevin Demoff. <laughs> because this clown, every time he opens his mouth, something else disingenuous comes out. And today, on Twitter... He was, I think somebody asked him a question on, on Twitter if, if Spags should get another opportunity. And uh, Kevin Demoff decided to get on there and explain. And here was his original tweet after that question. It's well past time to see Spags get another head coaching opportunity. The team and organization he inherited in St. Louis was a mess. Nobody could have had success. Well, gee, Kevin, I wonder whose fault that was, right? <laughs> Take some ownership yeah. here, my guy. I mean, holy cow. I mean, this guy is absolutely delusional, and I feel like he never misses a moment to take a pot shot at our town, and that was, uh, again, another effort at it, and one where certainly he's uh, owning himself because – the reason why was guys like Kevin Demoff and and I and I can't recall how long Cronky was the actual owner when Spags was still the head coach, but they certainly did overlap at some point. And I mean, give me a break! This guy is just nauseating. I I I think this guy. I don't know. You have to get a psychiatrist on the. Uh on the phone and ask what he exactly is suffering from. He's like the guy who gets the divorce, finds a, uh, like, like no offense to St. Louis, okay, just in, in how people view Los Angeles, finds a younger, more attractive, significant other, 
And then, like, once a year, just decides to swing by his old neighborhood and drive by in his new car and, and just and just stop in and be like, hey, remember remember when uh, we didn't work out? <laughs> it's like, dude, you have a problem. Like, he's a real sicko, and he can't stop. Every year, it might be even more often than that, like, every six months, he goes to Twitter and has some, like, really, like, obvious, like, see-through jab at St. Louis, and it's like, man, move on. It's it's strange. I'm convinced, and I don't have any proof, I'm convinced that a lot of, like, the anti-St. Louis, like, kind of weirdly placed, like, shtick that comes from the L.A. Times out of nowhere often is, like, Kevin Demoff, like, fanning the flames. He's got, he's, he's always trying to kind of, like, influence people to take these pot shots at St. Louis. It's very odd. Like, you got what you wanted, man. You're happy. Your, your team has won out there. They're not winning now, but they have won. And, like, everybody's, everybody with the Rams who wanted to leave St. Louis should be, should be thrilled. Like, we shouldn't be in their, in their thoughts and minds. And yet, here it is. Dimoff wasn't hired, I don't think, at the time Spags was, but he came on, like, immediately after. They had three years. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, there were, there was, the team was up for sale. Yeah, it's done a lot better under its new ownership. Um, the team was up for sale, and, um, you know, there were labor issues. Well, right. I think there were teams that were winning games during that time. I, I don't think I don't think every team was struggling to win, but it's like he just can't help but throw that out there. So then he can, like, fight with people about his reputation, and now things went down in St. Louis. Kevin, just move on. You got what you wanted, and no one here is ever going to have any 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 microscopic speck of respect for you. And no one cares what you think about Spags. You are literally a glorified intern. Just own <laughs> it and keep your head down and do your job and cash Stan's check and make sure that his suit is buttoned right and, 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 and go on living your fantasy your fake fantasy life. Like, no one's going to you to ask who you think would be a good hire. No one respects you. No one cares about you at all, except for these national reporters who kind of cluck around you and try to get little tidbits and morsels that they can tweet out and, and justify having their boss, their, their bosses happy with their jobs, breaking little snippets of NFL news. That's what you're there for. So just own it. And for the love of God, move on from, from fighting with people on Twitter about St. Louis, dude. We know who you are. You made it clear. You like being the being the, the vengeful guy. It's fine. That's who you are. Nobody has respect for you. Just own it. Like no one here is ever going to have a different perception of you. It's very odd. I think it might be like some sort of psychological issue. I think when when we sort out the hierarchy of bad guys from this entire Rams ordeal that you know it's kind of sort of. I mean, it should be over, right? The settlement's already happened. Court case is done. Team has long since moved away. Can't you? I mean, if you're if if you're Kevin Demoff, we're long past the expiration date here. The NFL, the Rams, they've they've made their payments. Although St. Louis still needs to figure out how they're going to dole out that money. That's a that's a separate. Golly, that is a separate entire show, maybe entire week of shows but i mean why he hasn't moved on is beyond me and and if i again if i am ranking the bozos in order i, I think i have dem off ahead of stan Kroenke. 
I, I would put Demoff as public enemy number one, as if they walked in to the same room together. I mean, I am. I, I think we're, we could all lustily boo both, but man, I think I might. I might direct most of those boos uh, Kevin Demoff's way. At least Cronky has a little Missouri history, and and I'd like to think at the end of the day, uh, there there's there's just like a like a maybe just a shred of you know something that is still valuable in in Cronky to this uh, to this state and and what the state maybe has meant to him but for them off there's no redeeming qualities here ben there's nothing to take home there's nothing to value them off is public enemy number 1 for me i i i kind of agree and I think it's because Stan at least was, and Stan's, you can think he's evil, you can think he's 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 the worst person in the world. I think he's kind of a sad figure. Um, he's this guy who's got more money than 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 most people ever will have, um, including some of the richest people in the world, and yet he can't seem to to find peace. He's he's constantly obsessed with making more and i think to be to me and maybe i'm a small time kind of small brain person but to me the idea of being like despised in your home state would be disappointing that would make me feel feel bad Um, but i I think he's a guy who surrounded himself with people who are on his payroll and, and and surrounded himself by people who just tell him how great he is and some people get like that with money where it literally your your life's goal is to make as much as you can, no matter the cost. And I think for him, it's driven by the perception that he'll never be able to outgrow, which is that he married into his money. And it's not entirely true, but there's, there's a case that a lot of it is, is related to that. And that's something that I think eats at his soul for whatever reason. So he's kind of more to me, like a very interesting, like villain of a, of a, of a, of a, you know, he, there should be a documentary on, on how Stan Kroenke in his tortured relationship with, with money and why he'll, he'll never have enough. That's compelling to me. Dimoff is, he's not compelling. He's a sleazeball. He's a snake yep. who, 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 who has, you know, was, was given everything he's gotten because of he was him, how he was born into it. And he is a, is a bald faced liar. Stan knew when to stop talking. And Stan was smart enough, and also just under, understanding that it would, he was comfortable being a villain enough that he just knew when to go radio silent. And for Demoff to say all the things he said, I'm, what I'm curious of, and I'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised the league let the Rams continue to keep him on payroll after forking over that settlement check to St. Louis, because Demoff had to have been in the driver's seat of everyone who put on-the-record comments that, that led to the NFL feeling like it had to settle that thing instead of taking it to court. He had to have been the number one guy creating quotes that they went, really, you said that at that time when you knew what was going to happen? And really, you, you, you put that out there and you let that come back to you? Some of the things that came out during the discovery of the, of the, the Rams litigation and lawsuit were most damning for Demoff. He's immature. He's a thin-skinned. He is—he's uh, the kind of guy who knows exactly what he's doing when he when he puts something like this out there on social media. And I, and I think he, for whatever reason, he's driven by this 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 
this feud with St. Louis. I don't understand it. Um, this should be far in his rearview mirror, but he's a he's a small, thin man, and there's not a lot of substance to him other than you know just trying to to stay on people's good side with the leverage that he has to do so. And that's why he's constantly catering to these NFL national media types because they need him. And other than that, there aren't a lot of people who I don't think have much use for him. And no, there's zero use for Kevin Demoff. With Kroenke, it he could have been like a folk hero here in St. Louis. Yeah, there's sure. there's some of that with Gussie Bush at the brewery from when they owned the Cardinals. I feel like there are, for those people of a certain age that remember when Gussie was the owner, I, I think that's sort of a prevailing thought that there generally aren't those feelings for ownership in sports. He's had he has a bunch of successful professional sports teams, Ben, whether it be the Rams or the Nuggets, he, own, he owns the Avalanche too, right? I mean, these teams have gone on to win championships, but I feel like he is not a beloved owner in those markets, or at least he's someone that no one gives a second thought to. Had he found a way to make it work in St. Louis, and honestly, I, I think he'd be viewed as one of the most popular figures in town. Instead, he's now the most hated. So... I mean, he can go own as many teams as he he wants moving forward. I think people are just going to view him as this guy that has collected a bunch of sports franchises and and, and is an eccentric owner. Yeah, I I think for guys like me and you, that would bother us a lot. For most people, it would. I I really, I don't think it bothers him. No, I don't think it does either. I think his net worth and and his, his view of the world is driven by winning deals and or feeling like he, he he has the upper hand and he's willing to go to great lengths and, and wait things out long term and I mean, there's no greater definition of, of how he thinks than when he um bought into the foreign soccer you know he gets in on arsenal and and then he gets in on a couple other american billionaires get in, and next thing you know what are they trying to do they're trying to basically privatize their league and make it so relegation doesn't happen anymore and because why why run the risk of being bumped down if you if you can stop it and credit to the fans over there they basically threatened you know mutiny <laughs> and they they cooled off and, and forced the forced it back off the table but that's that's how these guys that's how these guys think um and Demoff is just one of these guys who's kind of you know attached himself like a sucker fish onto a Onto onto a payday. It, it's just odd. I don't. I, I think it's really something broken in him that allows him to, or that feeds him to keep kind of trying to, to fire up this discussion about St. Louis as if he has a reputation to save. Like there's there will be no saving it, man. You are what you are, and enjoy your time in L.A. It's what you <laughs> wanted. It's what you got. Like no one here's thinking about you anymore. And and but yet, why are you still thinking about the place you hated so much? I don't quite understand it if i were spag so i i agree with you i would be like hey kevin thanks but maybe cool it on reminding people of how terrible i was in st louis and also by the way there um thanks for the twitter apology that you could have helped me more you were only there with me for, <laughs> for two of my three years uh really appreciate it now look spags has enough people to go to bat for him that he doesn't need uh he doesn't need the, the failure of the of a coo that he had in his time with with the Rams, um, he's got a lot of players, a lot of coaches, Andy Reid, a lot of people that can go to bat for him, 
And and if I were him, man, I'd say the same thing about the same thing I said about Andy. I think long and hard before you leave the gravy train. That is Pat Mahomes. Um, you've got a good defense going. This was one of the youngest defenses in football this year. They're not going to lose a bunch of these guys. They might lose Chris Jones, or maybe he's smart enough to be like, look, I've made a lot of money, and I can win more Super Bowls here. Maybe he'll find a way to stay. Uh, If not, go get somebody else, but plug him in. This defense is young. It's going to be around a while. Um, I would not be itching if I were Spags to go be a head coach again uh, in this era of Chiefs football because, man, this may have been one of their least talented teams in places other than Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, but when you've got those two guys and Kelsey says he's coming back and and Andy Reid's not going anywhere, you're in a special time, and you can be a head coach pretty much any time if you're spags at this point. I would, and you may not want to by the time this train this train rides over. He's getting late into his career. I, I would I would not go if I were him. I'd, I'd stay as the Chiefs defensive coordinator, and I'd go try to win five and maybe six Super Bowls before I hang it up. Well, I, I disagree from from the perspective of, of if there's a head coaching opportunity out there, he's got to take it. I mean, his name will not he be hotter. Well, but his name won't be hotter than it is right now if he wants to. And maybe he doesn't want it, but if he right. wants to be a head coach again, and an opportunity pops up, you have to take it. I mean, this is his his value will never be as higher as it is right now. I guess unless they win another one next year, which you could certainly easily hypothesize is a uh, is certainly within the realm of possibility but i'll also say this yes he should take a job but i also don't think he, he there's no lock he's going to be very good at it again uh um again we're we're several years we're several years removed from his dismissal here in St. Louis by by Kroenke and by Demoff but he would have had to make a, a, a really substantial change. From everything I hear about this guy, he was not the kind of leader you need from your head coach in the National Football League. And you can be a great – there are tremendous coordinators out there, Ben. You're not born to be a head coach just because you know how to call the defense – or call an offense, and there is a there is a leadership gene that you've got to have. Clearly, Andy Reid's got it. Andy Reid's got it in spades, and he's figured it out along the way. He was in that same that same category as it it, it looks like Kyle Shanahan's in right now, where you're viewed to not being able not not able to win the big one. And I, I'm not sure how fair that is. I mean, now oh, Shanahan's a lot been more to, fair today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's Shanahan's uh, right with the certainly with his call in overtime. I get that, but um, I, I think from a from a Spags perspective, there there is no guarantee that he's figured it out. And just because he can call the defense doesn't mean he can be the CEO essentially of a National Football League team. So I would think long and hard about it if I'm an if I'm an NFL team still looking for a head coach. I guess the good news is there really aren't that many open jobs out there at the moment. So if you're Spags, you're certainly not taking a college job. If you're a Chiefs fan and you want him to stay, I'd say the odds are Ben he's probably staying. Yeah, pay the man and uh and and uh, <laughs> he talks about how much he loves this defense and love these guys. They sh- most of them should be should be back. Um Andy lets him do his thing, kind of lets him do, be the head coach of the defense, and he's he's got a 
case to be like the guy who kind of flips the script on the Pro Football Hall of Fame where they don't know, like, assistant coaches, I don't think people know this, assistant coaches don't go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It should change. That needs to change. And he may be the slam dunk case that, that convinces people to change it. Um, that's a pretty cool legacy. I said it on the front end of the Super Bowl when we were making our picks and we both picked the Chiefs. I said one of the reasons is the defense. And he's he's accomplished a heck of a lot. And you have to to be the guy who overwrites the fact that you were a failed head coach to be one of the, if not the greatest, defensive coordinator that the NFL has seen. I mean, that's a remarkable yeah. thing to me. My and my thought would be go make go improve that legacy. Don't try to rewrite the head coaching one. But if it's in his heart of hearts where he feels like it's an unchecked box that he's got to go prove himself again, I mean, you, sometimes these things drive these guys. He, he will learn from his time in St. Louis, I'm sure. But uh, man, that's asking that's asking. It's been a long time. Is asking a whole heck of a lot. And if I were him, if he called up me, which he wouldn't, and said, what do I do? I said, man, go go win another Super Bowl with these Chiefs because there's really no reason they can't go do this again. That's Ben Fredrickson. I'm Brendan Weesey. We talk a little bit about the ruination of sports, at least here in town, when it comes to Spags and, and Demoff and Kroenke. Let's talk about the ruination as it continues in collegiate sports. There's really, there is just no end in sight when you want to talk about a, a, a certain segment of the, of the sports spectrum that we both love. Golly, there's just there. There's a doom and gloom story every day. We'll tell you what the latest one is when we come back. The big sports show here on a Tuesday on the Big Five Fifty. Brennan and Ben Fred with you. It is the big sports show. Mentioned before we went to break the ruination of sports, and there is maybe one event, and we've talked about it a lot. The one event on the sports landscape that maybe we've gone the furthest without actually trying to ruin. And there are so many ways we ruin sports up and down. But somehow we've managed to keep the NCAA tournament, the men's basketball tournament, in one piece. COVID tried to ruin it a couple of different times by canceling it in 2020 and then deciding to have it in one location, one state. What a genius idea that was in 2021. But we've come out of, oh, and that wasn't even the worst part. They decided, oh, we'll have the first day on Friday instead of Thursday. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But they've bounced back since. But, Ben, they're going to find a way to ruin it. I tell you, this is what they do. And uh, your your buddy earlier today had a piece in uh, in Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger, and was speaking with uh, Brett Yormack, the new commissioner of, not well, relatively new, of the Big 12 Conference. And something Yormack said throughout the course of this piece, Ben, was that, the best teams in college basketball aren't playing for the men's basketball tournament. They aren't playing for the NCAA championship. 68 teams, mind you, are in the tournament. Uh, but somehow, the best teams aren't playing for the dance. That, to me, Ben, is code for there are too many automatic qualifiers from the smaller conferences taking up spots from you know the 
Let's see, who would be a, a Big 12 equivalent this year? Like a Kansas State, a bubble team. Or in the ACC, maybe a team like North Carolina State. Teams are going to be on the bubble, but in a new expanded tournament, they would just be able to waltz into the field of whatever number they talk about. And, oh, yeah, for the mid-majors, you still will have a route. But maybe it's not through an automatic qualifier. Maybe it's just through those net rankings. And uh, we'll squeeze the Cinderella's out as as easy as we can and get some of those blue bloods. Yeah, the, the, the blue bloods like a, like a Xavier or a, or a Florida State, or a UAB. Find a way to get those schools more readily available to go to the NCAA tournament. That, that, that's, that's what it's all about. UAB, I probably miscast there from, uh, from the, uh, I guess they're in the American Conference now. But golly, Ben, you just, we just can't have a day of the week without somebody in a position of power trying to ruin something we all love, and that, of course, being uh, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. What say you? Yeah, there's, but you, don't, you don't hear from those scores and scores of college basketball fans out there that are, that are complaining the NCAA Tournament is, is too small. You don't hear from those people? Um, <laughs> oh, wait. Nobody. They don't exist. Nobody, nobody is making that claim outside of conference commissioners and, for whatever reason, certain college basketball coaches, one of which is Dennis Gates, who won't shut up about it when he's asked. It's so obnoxious. It's, it's, It's the worst, dumbest, stupidest idea. College basketball has the single thing the NCAA does right in March Madness, and it's the equivalent of a national holiday. And they've tweaked it some. They've they've added the first four in Dayton, which I actually kind of like. Um, so maybe I'm being a hypocritical thinker there to draw the line at that. But beyond that, if you do the first 14 in Dayton, it doesn't have the same ring to it. And some of these coaches will advocate, well, everybody should get in, and it should be this. Well, then why why have a regular season? I mean, to me, if you if you start to change this thing and it's going to be exactly what what you just predicted it's going to be fewer cinderella teams and more of these like 500ish big conference programs that you know really did nothing except barely keep their head above water um for the for the entire season and they're going to be they're going to be there when the tournament starts, and talk about teams that that really have the chance to maybe get in and win a couple games and knock out a more deserving team. That's how that happens. You don't get the best teams when you bring in 500-ish teams that couldn't couldn't have a winning conference record, and they knock out a team that that went out and and dominated a smaller conference. That's not a matchup that people most people want to see. People love the Cinderellas. People love the plucky teams that take the tournament and, and have a chance to, you know, the Magic may be running the table. They usually don't get very far, but every once in a while one kind of steals our hearts. That's part of the Magic, and if they're going to try to squeeze it out. It's about the money. It's about Brett Yormack doing what he feels like is in the best interest of the schools that he leads, and I just wish that there were some voices in college basketball that had the well, I'll say the onions, as, as our guy Rafferty would say, yeah. to step up and say, enough. Uh, no uh, one is calling for this. The, the college football playoff 
there are legitimate fans who wanted to see it expand. Now, you and I were on different sides of it. I wanted it to get bigger. You were you were saying no, leave it at four. But there was a debate happening beyond people who were just going to benefit financially from an expansion. There was a reasonable case, whether you agreed with it or not. It was a good debate. Should it grow? And there were actually people having that discussion. No one is having the discussion. No legitimate fan is having the discussion that this thing needs to get any bigger. And I, and I just wish there would be a Jay Billis or somebody, you know, to come out and say, this is dumb. Because everyone's saying it, but no one within the ecosystem that actually moves the needle for college basketball will stand up to it. And I think it's crazy. I've, I've called out Gates for, for not dropping it, and I'll continue to, to yell at it, but I'm not. I don't mind an opinion shaper in college basketball. There are some voices who are, and and they won't they won't say a word about it because they're going to be they're going to be told by the coaches. They're going to be influenced by these conference commissioners, and they're going to present this thing like it's a good idea when nobody wants it. And in fact, I think it will actually legitimately make things worse. I, I think it will make us less interested in the tournament. We'll still watch the championship and all that stuff, but. The, the idea of, oh, my gosh, here's March Madness, here's the bracket. Um, if, it, if that thing's two pages and, and where every team that has a pulse gets in, it's not going to feel the same. It just isn't. And what I love is that, again, we're, I, I think, and, and I don't want to drag you into the under, under the same bandwagon as me mispronouncing his name. It's, it's Brett Yormark. At, uh, so I, I screwed that up first. Brett Yormark, commissioner of the Big 12 Conference, uh, saying these things – where you, again, he's not. It's in code, but it's say hey, let's get rid of these automatic qualifiers. Does that mean get rid of the conference tournaments? Because I guarantee you, the Big Twelve is not going to get rid of their conference tournament. That thing's going to be loaded starting next year with Kansas and Arizona and Houston. That the best basketball conference in America is only going to get better. So I'm sure they're not getting rid of their conference tournament. And there again, there is. Uh, there is a lane here that I'm willing to go down to say, yeah, you want to expand it to what? what's the number, 96, 98, 94 teams, whatever that number is. I can buy into that. If you want to tell me, okay, let's see, 22-3 and three out of the Sun Belt, James Madison, is this to ensure that they can lose their conference tournament and make sure they get into the dance? Or could it be 22-3 and three Samford out of the SoCon to make sure if they lose their conference tournament, they can still get into the big dance? Those are two teams that are clearly great teams that I'd love to see in there that probably are going to get shafted if they don't win their one-bid league tournament. Or let's talk on a local level, Indiana State there, Ben, just got ranked in the Valley. They're number 23 in the latest AP poll. Their metrics are very good, but let's be honest, we've seen this story before. There's a scenario where Indiana State could lose in Arch Madness and not get a bid to the big dance. That would be criminal. So if by expanding the tournament, we're looking out for those schools, I'm on board with it. But we know that's not who we're looking out for. And that's not, this is, this is made for 13 and 10 Rutgers to get in, not 22 and 3 Samford. And it's bogus. Yeah, it's the year that remember uh, when Buzz Williams had the angry tear tear filled press conference rant <laughs> about Texas A and M not getting in, yeah. and they were like, can't remember where they were ranked in the SEC, but they weren't good, and and it, that's good. That team's going to get in now, and 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 the team that will, will, fans will be like, this team doesn't deserve to be in the tournament. That team's going to be in now, um, and it'll be from the from the big from the big schools, and that's. 
that's what will happen here. And 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 and, and that leads to the question of okay, then then what's the next step? Then is it just saying, well, look, really, we're going to take the top six with basketball leagues, and we're just going to have our own tournament, and the oh, other horrible. You know, these that's other the coaches, next step. you know. The Northern Iowa's—they're just—they don't really belong. They're at, right. It's really—it's really apples and oranges. I mean, it'll have that. That's the next step from this, yep. and and then you're talking about—you're talking about a March Madness that lacks the magic that we love. It's about gone. It. It's sucked out, and yeah. it's over. It's over at that point. Enjoy it. Yeah, and, and, and enjoy think, killing another sports empire. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I would argue. That I think college football is actually trending back that way some. By going to 12 teams, you're going to get a little more Cinderella action, and there should be a little magic to it. So at a time when college basketball college basketball would be making an opposite decision, and people say, well, how is it an opposite decision that they're expanding to? Because what will happen, as you just laid out, will be the teams that actually have deserving cases to be in are going to get are going to get blocked, and the teams that more mediocre big conference school teams will get in, and then one of those teams will make some sort of two-game run and knock out a team that actually deserved to be there more. It's just it's just a bummer. It's like, to me, it's the equivalent of seeing teams that have 500 records go to bowl games. It's a joke. It's only <laughs> it, it, should, it should be covered as such, and this was what this would be doing. It would be it would be basically the basketball equivalent of lowering the win total for bowl eligibility in football, <laughs> and and that's that. How's that worked out for football? There are bowl games, more bowl games that we know what to do with. Nobody cares, and and that's what college basketball will be taking a step toward when it actually has a perfect, as close to you can get as perfect postseason. Is there no one left who cares at all? about not ruining something that's really good. And why won't anyone involved in the ecosystem of college basketball stand up and say that? Because they're not caring about the integrity of the tournament. They're caring about how do they get a better, bigger paycheck, how do they get more revenue for their schools, and golly, of all the things that need to get fixed in college sports, the the the, the magic of the NCAA tournament might be at the bottom, yeah, of, bottom the of the list. So, of course, it's on the top of yeah. everyone's mind. Uh, something. Final thought on this, Ben, we come back after this. Ben, we'll have about a minute here, and, and you mentioned that there's maybe excitement that the the new football expanded playoff could, could represent and have more Cinderella's. I think there was reason to believe that, but one of the reasons why I said this was college football's last great season is because that's eroding away, too. The fact we're only going to have a few conferences left, it... it it's going to make the the expanded football playoff. It's almost going to be moot because we only have a few leagues to even put into this twelve team field. It's uh, that's it's going to be potentially uh, uh, a huge joke and something that I, I don't know. I I, uh, I I have a feeling we're going down this road where expectations for the playoff maybe the first couple of years. But I have a feeling that we're going to revert back to something else here very, very soon because football is going down another very serious road of of how do we make more money and leave out all these other people. I, I think that's what ultimately what they're going to do. Here's what we should do. Maybe we can just jump to the end of the line here and just say, really, we don't even need to have we don't even need to have a regular season in any sport. We don't even need to have no, no. a postseason. Let's just have in football. Let's just have twelve games of Georgia playing Ohio State. And in basketball, let's just have 
30 games of North Carolina playing Duke, and yep. everyone else can go kick rocks. Yep, that's, that's about right. Imagine the ratings could Oh, be. ratings will be so huge. Can you imagine every week Georgia versus Ohio State? Massive. Every week, North Carolina and Duke, it's like a it's a game of the week that you get twice a week. It's incredible. Man, those will be the those will be the days I'll tell you what, man. We we sound like we sound like old men yelling at the clouds, but there's no one in this world that's looking out for the common fan and it's why you've got if I told you ten years ago that Rutgers will be playing conference games at, at UCLA, you would have laughed, but it's here. So yep. you don't know where this thing can lead. Got to roll, buddy. I'll uh, talk to you tomorrow night. Sounds good, man. Talk then. That's Ben. I'm Brendan. We're talking soccer. Soccer in the Lou next on the Big 550.